Episode 58, Winning at Work with Mark Roth. He's the principal and co-founder of Alamode. Alamode is 100% nut-free, egg-free, and sesame-free ice cream. And it is delicious. After I had this episode with him, he said, Tony, let me send you a care package. He sent this this beautiful box. The packaging is incredible. Really, really eye-catching. A lot of clever things that they're doing there. I hope you guys check this brand out. Mark's story is very, very much Americana. Great idea. Grows organically. Gets help and influence from one of the niche areas that they really were serving. It took off, went viral, got a great mentor, and that mentor has been on this podcast. You go back and listen to his episode once you hear who he is. Mark's going to share with us how they researched, the kind of reconnaissance they did to determine the location for their flagship store. They took a big gamble. You've got to take a gamble when you're an entrepreneur, but you need to listen to what the one that they took was. They decided to really drill into a niche that's really, really big in the food market. Okay. That's ice cream. And a big trend is food transparency. And that is really, really needed when you're dealing with parents and families that deal with allergies. They have to know where everything is coming from, and they've done a great job with that. He's discovered really how to pick your distribution partner. So if you're a new brand and you're trying to uncover really how should you go about doing this, Mark lays out a great strategy to do that. And I think you'll pick up on this theme. You've got to stay consistent. You've got to be loyal to your customer, to your brand. You cannot break that trust. And... This theme has come up a lot about aligning your passion and work. Mark does the same thing. He's got a unique twist on it. He's got great advice for employers as well. I hope you listen to this because there's a big labor shortage out there. And the ideas he has, I think, can absolutely help you. Guys, if you're enjoying this episode, share them. Make a comment either on iTunes or on LinkedIn and share it because I'm I'm not a professional podcaster. This is not my day job. Mark, he's not a professional podcaster. This is not his day job. Mark wanted to share his story and his advice to everyone. So when you listen to this, take it and share it. Push it out in your network so everyone can hear Mark's message, learn more about this brand. And truly, if there are people out there that are struggling with allergies, this really is a brand that they can get behind and connect and become you know, a brand evangelist for, and you can start enjoying ice cream. This episode is sponsored by Join a Search Group. Join a Search Group is a national executive search firm focused on hiring sales, marketing, operations, and innovations professionals. If you need anyone in that space, contact Join a Search Group. Okay, guys, stay tuned. This is a great episode. I think you're going to enjoy Mark, the humble beginnings, the organic growth, and they are starting to steamroll now. Enjoy. Mark, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Tony. I appreciate it. I have to say, uh, we love your ice cream, and it was really fascinating to see that there's this whole line of products that are out there that are being designed for people with, with food allergies. Now, I don't have any food allergies, so I typically 
you know, don't look for those kind of products. But interestingly, you guys saw a need and you met a need and this thing is just totally taken off. And I wanted to ask you or congratulate you for signing that big deal that I just saw that came out with Nathan's Famous. Tell us about uh, that. No, thank you. Yeah, no, it's been amazing. Uh, working with James and working with the crew over at Nathan's has been an incredible experience. You know, having James Walker as a mentor has been absolutely amazing. And he's been able to sort of guide and steer me into things that are not in my wheelhouse or, or that I'm starting to learn. Um, so being, being able to have the ability to uh, use him as a soundboard and, and, and have him have the patience and be able to sit there and, 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 and guide has been, has been uh, priceless as far as having the ability to work with him. Uh, started out, uh, both of us, James and I both share the same legal team and our legal guidance detail had recommended, um, us just connect. He thought that the two of us sort of had the same visions, the same ideas, and, and thought we'd just get along great. Um, so started speaking with James, uh, James had started working with me on helping as far as someone who has been in the industry for so long, um, helping and advising as I started launching our franchise program. And we really hit it off very well. And he's been an absolutely amazing asset to us. And uh, we just started talking. And as, as we continue to talk and discuss uh, both of our wheelhouses and all of the different uh, similarities we had as far as our backgrounds with the restaurant industry, uh, it just sort of started to make sense. And then he had the you know opportunity to come to the factory, try the ice cream, um, and he was discussing all the amazing things that he's doing over at Nathan's as far as with the brand and, and, you know, adding additional items and, and, and growing the brand, which you know, it's, it's absolutely incredible what these guys are doing. So it sort of made sense uh, that bringing out a product, not only that was safe, but also a quality product made in New York uh, sort of went with the same messages as, as Nathan's was trying to uh, put out. And um, it was a great fit. It was just a perfect fit for two great brands. So we're really excited. We're really excited to, uh, to start that launch with them. And you're going to be in the milkshakes, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah, so we're, we're offering them the, uh, the shake mix for their milkshake program. And um, we are starting that shortly in the next week or so. I keep banging the drum that they've got to get down here to Atlanta. It, they're, they're, they're in the airport, but that's just, you know, that's 45 minutes away from me. So, um, right. I'm, I keep well, pushing James. Well, I say, look, come on, just get, do a ghost kitchen. You know, you're already open at 150, right. open another one up here in Alpharetta. I, I, I don't doubt the route, you know, the, the, at the rate that James is going, that there should be one in your head, in your, in your area shortly. I'm sure. <laughs> well, I just think it's a, yeah. it's an amazing success story that, and obviously, you know, based there in New York and given the technology and the way that brands can expand and build out from, you know, what would normally be just a, like a local phenomena, which you have done a great job locally, but it just, it, boom, now it goes nationally. And that's why I wanted to talk to you as the CEO, co-founder, partner of Alamode, you know, let's, you know, let's talk about how can you build and market a food brand? I mean, how does someone even go about doing that? There's so many great ideas. There are cooks out there working in their kitchens. Help people figure out what are the steps they should be taking. 
so you know, thank you for saying that. We 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 really. Uh, so my wife and I uh, partnered up together. Uh, you know, my background was the restaurants, as I mentioned earlier. Her background is the um, kids' clothing industry. She has a showroom in downtown LA. She's been a rep out on the West Coast since before I even met her. And um, after we went ahead and decided to move on from the restaurant industry, had a family, and wanted to spend some time with our family. Uh, you know, my wife had this idea about opening up this ice cream shop, and one of the things that she was adamant about or wanted to make sure was that there was something available for everybody. Um, we also have a nephew who has a severe nut allergy. So we do take that very seriously. We take it to heart. Uh, so when we opened up the shop, we did it as a no-brainer, but we didn't do it intentionally with knowing that there wasn't anything else out there. So we opened up the shop and about a month after us opening, you know, she handled everything from the front of the house with the clothing, the design, I mean, it's really her vision, um, an idea of how the how the place would look. And I took care of the food and beverage side of it with the uh, how to learn how to make ice cream and learn that back of the house side of it. And we sort of merged our, our two talents, put them together, and uh, we had the ability to open up this shop. Uh, about a month into us opening, a father with a, chi- uh, a, father with a child with a nut allergy uh, took a picture of our sign, and it went viral. And that's when we found out, and it turned out that we were the only nut-free ice cream shop in the country. So, again, it wasn't intentional. We didn't open this shop. We, what we wanted to open was something in our neighborhood. It was right, right very close to where we live. Uh, we saw this space. It was a cute little space that sat there empty and dormant for five-plus years. Wondered why. Uh, we started doing our research, standing on the corner for hours at a time and just counting the strollers and counting all the different, you know, the families that started moving into the neighborhood. Literally ground-level, you know, reconnaissance. Oh, 100%. I mean, I've been living in that neighborhood for 25 years. And in the last 10 years uh, is when we started to see or when we noticed that there were a lot more children and families moving to the neighborhood. Uh, Before that, people would ask me who my grandparents were. And, you know, it was a a completely different environment and demographic. Um, So we saw that we thought that it would be uh, we thought it would be a good fit. Not only for the convenience side of it, the, the space, it was a beautiful space, the layout of it, and it all sort of to fall into place. So when we opened up the shop and, uh, and found out that we were the only nut-free ice cream shop out there, we really just started to get bombarded with, in, in, a, in a good way from emails and phone calls about how uh, I've never had ice cream before. My child has never had ice cream. My child has never been able to experience going into an ice cream shop safely or going at all because they didn't want to take any of those risks. So it sort of uh, organically, uh, you know, started to grow. And I, and I can't stress enough that, that if it weren't for the allergy community, we wouldn't be where we are today. The support from that allergy community, the tight-knit community is absolutely amazing. And each day it just blows us away uh, how, how close they are and what they do for each other and what they do to try to continue to help uh, get the education out there and, and, and get the awareness out there to everybody. So that's sort of how we got that start. And um, from there, it just started to take on a mind of its own. Um, and that's where we started to figure out and discuss which routes do we want to go? Do we want to continue to open up more of these shops or do we want to go the other route, which was if we did want to continue to open up these shops, how do we actually be able to do so if there are no other manufacturing facilities out there that are not free to provide us that product? So our only option was to be able to do it ourselves and to, to open it up ourselves. So we went ahead and opened up a factory in the Bronx about 15, 20 minutes away from the store, uh, built it from the ground up. We had to start from scratch. Um, 
was a little bit of an expensive endeavor, but of course, you know, it was necessary for us to feel comfortable knowing that every piece of equipment had zero chance of cross-contamination, has never been used before, and it gave us the comfort knowing that we were starting the right way. Um, and from the moment that we opened up our ice cream shop and the factory, uh, we just never introduced nuts, eggs, or sesame into our facilities. And, uh, you know, that's basically what gives us that comfort of knowing that there's the, that there's no chance of that cross-contamination. It, it sounds like your first principle, your first idea there is, you know, pick a niche and, and kind of learn, you know, dominate that niche. And you were niching down. Maybe you didn't realize just how big of a niche it was, but clearly that is – uh, the idea around building a brand is, you know, you, you kind of have to have your niche. You kind of have to know that the spot you're going to, to fit in. So, so from there, what's the next step? So you, you know, you've got a hit. Okay. So now you go to manufacturing. So how do you begin to market and brand and push this thing out and, and start growing? What's the, what's the next step? So a lot of that, again, was organic. It was natural. We started getting a lot of people who were outside of this, you know, the New York or the tri-state area inquiring and seeing where can we get your product? How can we pick it up? Uh, we don't have access to get to New York. Uh, do you sell in grocery stores? Do you sell in other areas that we can go get it? Uh, so we started reaching out to some of these retailers and said, you know, we have this product. We're opening up this manufacturing facility. And would you be interested if we were to you know, present a product that, that could be safe for, for everyone. And surprisingly enough, you know, before we even opened up the doors of the factory, uh, we had a bunch of uh, retailers, uh, some big box and some others that were just open to giving us an opportunity and a chance. Uh, so we were very fortunate that a lot of those who we started our conversations initially with uh, understood. They understood that there was a need for something like our product. Uh, the ice cream industry is an extremely competitive market. Uh, so it sort of gave us the opportunity to get into that market uh, with something different, something that nobody else was doing, something that, uh, you know, hasn't yet been done. And um, that sort of gave us the ability to get onto some of those shelves. And again, so, so organically it started to grow from there. Uh, from those retail stores and having the opportunity to get into those retail stores, and trust me, it wasn't anywhere as easy as it sounds as I'm explaining it to you. Um, but as we started to get onto these shelves and we started to be able to expand uh, our reach and give opportunities for people to have it closer and available to where they live, uh, we also started looking into other outlets. Um, we wanted to be able to do direct-to-door, so being able to have our product shipped directly to your house. So we started an e-com program, which has been doing phenomenal. And we also started working on food service. So we reached out and we partnered with uh, Madison Square Garden, the Minnesota Vikings, um, and a couple of other food service outlets, arenas, and stadiums. They gave us the ability to have something for those out there, you know, a safe product for those to, to enjoy. So, yeah, again, the, it was just an organic. It's just one of those things where we yeah. started riding that, that wave, you know, and uh, just kept rolling with it. Well, it does go to one of the marketing principles that, you know, there, there needs to be a, a demand and the demand was there. You tapped into the demand and you just, yeah, you may be riding that wave, but you didn't force it. I'm, I'm curious though, the, the food supply chain is very complicated for people who, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are in food and beverage, but it is a, a very complicated supply chain. So when you talk about going into grocery stores, are you selling into distributors who then 
place on the shelves or are you direct to retail? We do both. Uh, we do have a, a large option of distributors that we work with, um, uh, major distributors that give us that nation, uh, the ability to deliver and ship nationwide. And we also do direct deliveries as well. We do direct deliveries to the local tri-state area. Uh, so we try doing it from both ends. One of the reasons being that we want you to make sure, you know, we can be as safe as possible. Uh, but once it's out, out of our doors, um, and into somebody else's hands, we wanted to feel comfortable knowing that it was going to get to the places that it needs to get to uh, safely as well. Um, so we really wanted to make sure that we partnered with the right people who would handle our product, understood the need and the the, uh, the need to be very careful when you know, handling our products, making sure that it wasn't mixed with things that we wanted to stay away from and avoid. So there was there was. Uh, a little bit of a learning curve. Uh, there was a little bit of, you know, trial and error on on both ends with our distributors. But yeah, we have we have both options of working with major distributors and also doing it. Yeah, right. it sounds like you're just being very thoughtful and very purposeful. You're not just trying to slam the product out there. It's it the it sounds like your desire and your need to put this product out there is coming from a place of wanting to help people. No, but I mean, when you have a mission that goes beyond just a profit motive, right? You, you make the kind of decisions that you're making. Right. Now, when, when Sandy and I opened up and we, we were running the store ourselves at the beginning and we had a few of our uh, employees from the restaurants that we had that came and joined us because we we're very strong and very tight-knit with a lot of our employees. Um, and we have been for, for, for many years. We, we take a lot of pride in that. And so we brought uh, – so Sandy and I were – both working at the shop, trying to get a feel and get an idea of it. Like I said, I can't dress myself. It's Sandy who came up with this mindset, the look, the aesthetic. And we really wanted to make sure that it hit all of the different things that she was looking for when it came to an experience when you walk in the door. So we were able to, behind the counter and having people that were coming into the store, experience directly ourselves uh, this interaction with a lot of these allergy families. And the one thing that was consistent every single time was that what they wanted to do when they came in there was want, they wanted to make sure not only it was safe for themselves or safe for their children. So they would ask questions eight, nine, ten times, which we fully understood. And patience is very key with all of that because you have to understand that they're saying this not to be a pain. They're not saying this to, to be difficult. They're saying this because they haven't had a chance to experience it before. So when you're giving somebody the opportunity to be able to come into a shop – for the first time, you want to let them be as comfortable as possible. So what we try to do is we try to lay it out for them. So we have allergy books. We have everything that gives them ingredient decks. We provide them exactly every single source where we get it from, letters from each of our sources stating that there is absolutely no chance or zero nuts, eggs, and sesame in their facilities as well which was a difficult hurdle in the, uh, you know, to start with. Um, but we really wanted to make sure that when somebody walked into that door, they felt comfortable, they felt safe. And, you know, safe is the key word with all of it. So, again, it was one of those things where after experiencing it, uh, we just wanted to go ahead and basically teach our staff, let them know as well. And the first thing comes with education giving them the experience as well and the knowledge that they need to be able to answer some questions for those who have these allergies. 
and um, and and roll from there and be able to let people know that when you do walk into our Alamode shop, our flagship shop, or if you do walk into any of our franchises that we're working on opening up, that you're going to get that same experience. It's not going to be, uh, you know, oh, let me just check to see, or we'll use a different scoop. We have dedicated scoops for dedicated items, um, and everything is laid out on purpose and specifically so that they have that comfort and they can sort of breathe a fresh, you know, some fresh yeah. air, um, you know, knowing that, okay, you know, these guys really know, and they, they didn't just throw this thing together and say, yeah, yeah, no problem. It's not free. You know, we actually did the additional work. From your experience, would you say someone who's trying to, you know, trying to launch a, a brand, is it, I don't want, I, I won't say easier, but Trying to go direct and work through distributors and or get into retail versus partnering with like like you did with with James Walker and um, Nathan's Famous is there a, an e- an easier or better more I don't know, profitable way to to kind of launch a like vertical path to pick? Uh, I think the most important thing is making sure that the message and and the the goals and the message are all aligned and that you both have both partnerships have that same message and both partnerships have that same end result. They want that same end result. So that's, that's the most important thing. And if you do find somebody that has that same mentality and, and, and is willing to go above and beyond to make sure that you don't cut corners and that you have that, that direct message, then it makes it a lot easier to work with some of these, um, some of these clients, companies, or partnerships. Uh, one one of the difficulties with it is that it is extremely difficult to find um, other manufacturers that are affordable, but also that would be able to handle volume, um, but also hit every one of these, um, you know, allergy, you know, uh, allergy-free items that we're trying to, or, or all of these items that we're trying to avoid. So that that's one of the first things that's a is 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 a, is a hurdle. Um, we've had many opportunities to collaborate with a lot of other big brands, which would give us great opportunity to grow and get exposure and be profitable. But that's not what we want to do because what it's doing is it's going completely against what we're all about. So, uh, you know, we, we do look more towards offering and having something available for everybody a little bit more importantly than we're looking at the bottom line. Um, although, of course, when building a business and building a brand, you want to be successful. And that's our goal. And that's what we want to continue to do. Uh, but to get there, the first thing you need to do is gain trust. You need to be able to map out the right way, the best ways of doing it that are sort of cookie cutter so that people can follow that. And it's easy to you know, mold and, and continue to grow with it, whether it's with a partnership or doing it on our own. So what I heard there was to grow successfully, you really have to identify partners that have your vision and share some of the values that you do because you have to remain true to your brand. And if your brand is such that it requires all the other people in the value chain to be upholding that same standard, you can't deviate from that because if you do, you lose trust. And that's what you're working so hard with every customer when they walk in. So I think that's exactly. very valuable advice. Don't compromise yeah. on your values and you know maintain your, your brand integrity. Yeah. I mean, and that's key. We, we started working with a retailer that, you know, I won't mention any names, but we worked with this large retailer and all of a sudden, you know, we, we were fortunate enough to be able to work with them. They put us onto our show, the, the product into their freezer case. And of course, right in front of that freezer case was a big barrel of nuts. Now, was that the best product placement? Probably not. 
Um, but what it showed us was that they weren't really thinking about our product from an allergy standpoint. They were thinking about it as just another item that was on that shelf. And we knew from the minute that we saw where they were placing us, we knew that they just simply didn't understand. And we felt that it just wasn't going to be the right fit for us because if they're going to make uh, an extreme decision to do something to that, to, you know, to make a decision to do it to that extreme, uh, we feel like, you know, it's going to be a hurdle moving forward. So we decided to say, you know, we appreciate the opportunity, but I think it might be best that we, uh, that we try something else or go a different route. Um, instead of us saying to them, move our product to another area, uh, we didn't trust the fact that it would stay in that other area. So we decided instead of going for the money or going for the profit or going for that additional exposure, we would prefer to be safe and just align ourselves with those that have that same mindset. You know, I, I will say people in, in business, it's not, it's not businesses, it's people. People that live by a principle and they don't bend on that, it might take them longer to be successful, but in the end... I have seen some great success stories and whether or not you want to agree or disagree with the example I'm going to bring up. But for example, Chick-fil-A will not open on Sunday. Now that's a principle and you know, they get a lot of pressure to open up on Sundays. People have always said, well, why not? You know, that's a day when everyone is out and running around. And yet it's a very, very successful brand, right? But they stayed true to their brand. Um, and, and I respect that a hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. You stick to exactly what your, what your message is and you don't veer off. And if you do that, that's where you gain that trust and you might upset some other, some of those and those that wanted to go there on a Sunday, they'll be back Monday. <laughs> they will be back on Monday or they'll be back Tuesday. They'll huff and puff about that. They aren't, you know, they don't have that day that they decided to close, but, uh, They'll, they'll stay true um, as long as you stick to your guns. So I do think that it's extremely important that you don't – because you're never going to please everyone, you know, especially coming from the restaurant industry and the restaurant you business. You know that, unfortunately, uh, firsthand. 100%. You just – you are never going to please everyone. All you can do is try to do the best you can to be as consistent as possible and offer the same experience to everybody when they walk in the door, whether it's at 9 a.m., or at 11, uh, 11 p.m. As we kind of transition out of this, you know, how to build and market a food brand and get back, I want to get, switch over to some of your superpowers, some of the things that you do really well. Can you tell me, this is kind of an off-the-cuff question, some of the best advice that you've ever been given in business? Does, do you have something that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, one of the things that I was extremely fortunate about when I was younger is that I had a support group with our with my family where they saw where I thrive. They saw what, what I enjoyed at a young age. So although school wasn't really for me, I wasn't, I had more difficulties sitting at a desk and being taught by a teacher. Now again, to each his own, and I'm not knocking anything about education and the school system. One of the things that I was fortunate enough about uh, to have was a support group with my parents where they didn't, they knew and they understood that it wasn't that I was being lazy it wasn't that it was, you know, I just didn't want to do it. It was more that it was, it was just a little bit more challenging for me. But what they did notice is that when I was outside of school, all I wanted to do was work. All I wanted to do was be around, you know, going out there and doing things. And, and they saw at a young age. So they gave us, they gave me the opportunity and they had me starting to work at a very young age. And by 13, 14 years old, I was flipping burgers at a, at a local uh, um, tennis club. 
And it gave me that, that work ethic at a very, very young age. So one, one of the things that's been instilled in me is something that my father and my mother, both of them, have, have uh, taught not only myself, but to both my, my brother and my sister, is that, you know, just do what you love to do. Uh, do something that you're passionate about. It might not make you the most money. It might be the hard route that you decide to go. But if you love it, you'll be successful. You, you know, and that, that, that's the key thing that I've always been, uh, that I've always instilled. And I want to bring that to my daughters as well. I want them to do what they feel, you know, makes them comfortable, happy, and, uh, something that they feel like when they're waking up at the, you know, in the morning, going to work, that it's not that they're going to work, that they're going to do what they love to do. I appreciate you saying that. I really do. Because that theme comes up over and over that your work and your life and your passion, they all need to converge. You can't separate them. And people who are stuck in jobs that they don't like, great advice to them is you need to find something that you really are passionate about and make it a small side project and put your energy into that and nurture it and grow it. It might turn into something for you. You can't ignore it. You've got to push your energy and your thinking into your passion. And you guys are living, walking, breathing examples of that. And I just appreciate yeah. you bringing it, you know, to the surface again for everybody. And, here. And, yeah. And, and one of the other things that I would say is that it doesn't always come right away. You know, it's something where when I was a kid, everybody else wanted to be astronauts, policemen and firemen. And I wanted to open up my own restaurant. I always wanted to. One of the things as I was, you know, since I was young, I knew what I wanted to do. I loved being with people. I was a people person. I liked seeing uh, smiles on people's faces. So I was very fortunate at an early age to sort of know where, what route I wanted to go. But what I also noticed is that there are those jobs and there's those places that are sort of those startup jobs or, or ways of being able to generate and make money while you're still reaching and trying to go for what you're trying to do. And the most important thing is that if you do decide and you commit to a job, that you make sure that you're happy at that job, even though that might not be what you want to do. If you don't want to be a server for the rest of your life, you want to be an actor, at least when you're in that store or in that restaurant, that you give it as much, 100%, uh, you know, that, that you, you give it your all when you are working in whatever job that you're working in because it will come to you. You never know when it's going to come to you, and you never know that person that you're serving might be the person that really liked your attitude or liked how you approached them or liked the way that you did things because you were yourself. And that gave you that boost that you needed to go into the field that you wanted to look into doing later, um, whether it's through acting or through law or through, you know, medicine, whatever, whatever the case may be. Ice cream. Regardless, <laughs> ice cream as well. <laughs> exactly. But the, the, the truth, the, the, the ultimate thing, and that's what I try to instill in all of our staff. And, and one of the things we've been fortunate enough to have is a, a tight knit group that have been with us for a very long time because they feel the ownership. They feel like when they walk in the door, they don't they don't know that they want to work in ice cream the rest of their lives. They might want to do other things. And this might be just one of those, you know, jump starter jobs that, that they're just starting to. They just need a job, had the great hours. But what they notice is that when they're walking in every single day, they're walking in with the same mindset as everybody else, which is what are we going to do as a group and as a team to help grow this business together. And ownership is key. If everybody feels like they have some piece of ownership and they have a piece of, uh, of, of the project, then, then they're going to give, and you know, it, it's, it's going to come naturally to them too, that they're just going to give their best because they just want what's best for 
the environment and for the business. Well, you know, Mark, I think our next two topics really come together because um, we talked a little bit beforehand about what some of your superpowers are. But as I'm listening to you, the third topic was going to be talent discussion, you know, how to create a culture of low turnover. It sounds like your superpowers and how you're creating this culture, they've all kind of come together to create a culture of low, you know, of low turnover. And that in and of itself is kind of been your superpower. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about the combination of those superpowers and creating that, that culture that you've just so elo eloquently described. Yeah. So, so when I was starting out, you know, my, I, I went through multiple jobs. I went through, you know, different outlets. I went from the small independent restaurants to the corporate hotels to, uh, more of the restaurant chain type of fields. And it wasn't that I was just jumping from job to job to job. What I was trying to do is I was trying to experience each of those so that I can try to conform and figure out what I wanted to do. As I, as I continue to grow in this, in this industry, in the food and beverage industry or the hospitality industry. Um, and one of the things that I noticed is that in each of these jobs, I had managers, I had bosses that obviously some were absolutely incredible that I still keep in touch with. And there are some that really helped me make the decisions and the proper decisions by learning from them what not to do. Um, and that really helped me at an early age say, okay, I'm looking around at all these other employees and I see that there is not one thing, uh, you know, it's just going in one ear and out the other. It's just because of approach and how they were treated or how they were spoken to. And, and it, it showed me that it, it's just as simple as just your approach and how you speak to your staff, uh, or your peers. If you're working with others in the same level, as far as if you're a server, if you're a busser, um, but it, it's all about how you work together and how you how you um, um, just being respectful to each other, and it goes a long way. So I've I've used the example of one of my old managers who the only three words he would use is boom boom zag zag tag tag. That was the only thing that he would say. He would sit in his office, not leave the office, and he would just expect you to know what that meant and go out and do it. And of course, half the time you wouldn't do it properly. How bizarre! What, say that again. And you just get berated. Boom, boom, zag, zag, tack, tack. And it's something that's been instilled in me ever since, <laughs> since that, you know, I've been 16 years old. It was 16 when I had this manager who was teaching me this and, uh, or, or telling me this. And it just, it just stuck with me. So what I tried to do ever since that experience working with that, with that company was I knew what not to do or how not to make things work because I saw that it was just wasn't working. Not only was it not working for me, I continued to work hard. It's just, it's, part of me is that, that even if I don't agree with it, it is part of my job responsibility and I'll continue to do it. But I noticed around me that there were people that they were, they were working there for 20 plus years and they just had zero respect for the guy. And it actually went into the experience for the guests and the guests were sitting there and they're, they're being served by somebody who was miserable or they're being served by somebody who just got berated in the back of the house by this guy Screaming boom, boom, zag, 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 zag. <laughs> so if you find if you find ways of being able to say, you know, even though you might not want to do it, it is to the best. It's the best interest for all of us to do it. I have no problem doing it as well. Then please, you know, just finding ways of being able to speak and, and to train and to interact with them and let them know that they're they're one of many and they're a part of the the team. And not just somebody that's punching in and punching out every day. And if you can get people into that mindset, 
that when you're walking in the door, give them the environment. One of the key things for us as well is there's music. You will always, in any place that we have, any establishment, any establishments that we own or that we've been a part of, right when you walk in the door, you're hearing music. And that's because we want them to feel comfort. We want them to feel at home when they're there working. Of course, we expect them to work as hard as possible and, and do the right thing and focus. It's not that we're having dance parties all day, but we want them to be in an environment where they feel comfortable, that they know that, that when they're walking in the door, their focus is on how do we continue to improve and get to the next level with our company, our company, not Mark and Sandy's company, not Alamode, yeah, our company, and then being uh, you know, part of it, having that ownership and being a part of it. So I think that that's really helped us. I think it has helped you. I, I would love to see what music would do to a corporate environment. Can you imagine? I mean, corporate, I'm just, I'm being a little tongue in cheek, but I mean, I can't tell you, I have walked into hundreds of businesses, you know, corporate, the back office, there's no music. Can you imagine if you walked into a, a corporate environment and you heard music? I mean, I mean, actually something decent. I mean, that could, Boost morale, maybe. Of course, everyone has different tastes, of course. but Well, and, and that's the thing is that you want to find a fine line where, where it's not something that's overboard. You're not walking into a nightclub, but it's something where you're walking into an area where you're listening to something behind you, whether it's music, whether it's rain, whether it's the white noise, if that's what you're used to from trying to put your kids to bed. You just have to have something in there that people feel that you're not just stuck in a box and just doing something like the time to make the donuts every day. You know, you want to get them out of that mental mindset. And if you're able to do that, it, it goes a long way. Um, them walking in and feeling like, you know, that they're, that they're, that they're not stuck or locked is, is extremely key and important. Um, and so when, when you mentioned corporate, uh, what, what I used to do with one of the corporate uh, hotels I used to work with, I used to work the, the night shift, the graveyard shift. And you got these guys that were working from 10 o'clock at night, so 10 o'clock in the morning, doing the same thing every single day. It's just nonstop every single day. And what you start to notice is that obviously they are not going to be as passionate about it because they feel like, all right, all I'm doing is pushing garbage down uh, a street, uh, down the aisle, or I'm just, I'm just cleaning thousands of pieces of silverware and it feels like it's just nonstop over and over again. So what we decided to do is break it up. And we would go into the ballroom, we'd blast the music, and we'd let these guys just go crazy for a little bit. Five, ten minutes. Just, just get, get out of that mode of just work, work, work. Get your minds into another place. Go do something. Go, you know, play a game. Do something to let them know that there's, uh, there's something more than just polishing silverware or taking the garbage out or redoing, uh, you know, or resetting up for another event that's going on the next day. And what I noticed by doing just those little, small little things for 10 to 15 minutes, it, it made them, number one, look forward to something. They knew that there was something coming up later on that, you know, at the, in the middle of that shift that they can go and have a good time doing for a few minutes. And it sort of gets them out of that mental mindset of, Time to make the donuts. Time to make the donuts. So uh, I feel like that that's, that goes a long way as well. So even if in a corporate environment you can't have it, the music blasting around you at all times, find ways even if you're in a corporate environment to let them feel that there's more than just being at a computer or there's more than just being at that one physical thing. And you, you mean a lot more than just uh, 
being just a body there at a desk type of thing. I love that. I mean, it sounds like not only is one of your superpowers, obviously, you know, you're, you're passionate, you work hard, but you, you seem to have kind of tapped into understanding the, the mental side of work and attitudes and, you know, all those things kind of combine to create a, a mental atmosphere of, of not drudgery. Right. And all through experience. And my wife is the same way and her mentality is the same exact way. And that's why we work really well together is that she has that same exact mentality. So it's not that you're getting one route or one way of approaching things from me and one way of approaching things from her. I mean, we're like two peas in the pod when it comes to that, that way we are completely on the same level when it comes to it, where, you know, you never, there's never not a smile on my wife's face. You know, she always wants to do whatever possible to make sure that not only are there our guests uh, content and have the best experience possible, but also any of our staff as well. No, I can imagine the people that are in corporate that are listening to this right now, you know, some corporate manager or VP sales and, you know, obviously they can't turn the music on, but they probably are brainstorming ideas right now. You know, what can I do to break up the monotony when the whole sales team has to come in and they're having to bang out reports or I'm even thinking about my team. You know, I've got a team of recruiters, you know, maybe, maybe there's some different things that I can do during the middle of the day to, you know, just pull everyone away and let's go just take a mental refresher. Yeah. And tie, I mean, to even bring back and tie it back into the ice cream, we have a lot of these corporate companies who will reach out to us and say, listen, you know, do you mind, uh, would you, would you send us over, uh, a case or, or, uh, you know, 50 cups for my employees. We want to be able to have an ice cream day for them because of all the work that they're doing. I mean, people are definitely making efforts and trying to find ways of letting, uh, showing appreciation to their staff. Uh, they'll rent one of our ice cream trucks and say, you know, do you mind putting an ice cream truck outside so that they can take that mental break, go out, enjoy some ice cream and just, you know, shut it off for a second uh, before they get back to work. Yeah, that's great. It's a very human side of of work, right? I think that's what you do really well. I think I think that other one you definitely, the other superpower that you display definitely is empathy. I think you do a great job of empathizing with with your team, you know, and having work kind of alongside them. And that's a, one of those principles of servant leadership. When you come alongside people and you work with them, not direct them like this other boss with the, what did he? <laughs> the boom, boom, zay, zay, zay. <laughs> that, yes. I mean, that right. guy was not coming alongside you to work with you and help you. He was just, uh, obviously a, a poor communicator. So, you know, coming alongside people, being that servant leader, asking what can you do to help them, you know, enable them to do better. I mean, all those yeah, things. Not being kind of, afraid to be there right next to them to help them, not being afraid to get your hands exactly. dirty as well. Showing them, showing them by, you know, by leadership, showing them that you, you know, showing them by doing it yourself as well and saying, okay, this is the way we feel might work best. But also, Give us your feedback. You're the one that's going to be doing this all day. Is there a better solution? Because we're open to it. You know, it's not that what Sandy and I say is etched in stone. It's just that this is what we advise or this is what we, uh, the route that we would like to go. And if you have a better solution, and, that, and that's, again, part of that ownership side of it, is that we want our staff to feel that they can come to us, they can communicate to us and say, listen, you know, 
we feel that this might be a better way and we'll approach it. We'll discuss it. We'll go through it. And most, most of the time they're right. And of course they're going to be right because they're the ones that are handling it on a day-to-day basis. So when they see that we're listening, when they see that we're open, our doors are always open. That's a huge policy for us is it's always an open door policy. Come in for anything that you need. And if you feel like there's something that you think can improve what we're doing, then by all means, it, it's, it just betters, it benefits everybody by doing that. You know, I feel like sometimes these conversations, people might say, hey, this is common sense. But common sense is not so common anymore. And it's, very, it's important to emphasize the fundamentals of management and leadership. And it doesn't have to be rocket science. It sounds like a lot of good common you know, fundamental, you know, practices are being used. Look, goes a long way. I mean, it does look, look, there's a lot of, you know, HR management consulting firms that come out there that try to create all these special programs. A lot of it is not needed. I mean, just common sense. And I think you guys have done Mm -hmm. a wonderful job with that, you know, low turnover, high retention, good work environment. And let's face it. Uh, the food and beverage organ, uh, industry right now is struggling to hire. They're struggling with retention. I hope everyone can just listen to this. You know, these are very practical, honest steps that, you know, a restaurant can take, you know, just yeah. to make everyone. 100%. Eat. Yeah. And, and, and finding ways of them wanting to get back to work to be a part of something because they are a part of something and not because they're going there just to collect a paycheck. And that's where they have to – that that differentiation where where a lot of this mentality is oh do i really have to go back and hear this guy yell at me all day why would why do i want to do that why do i want to go back into that type of environment anymore um but if you're in an environment that you enjoy being around and you actually enjoy going to it makes that jump a lot easier and quicker or, or a lot simpler yeah if you own a restaurant you better have a general manager that has a heart no, you're going to blow through, yeah. gonna blow through people in a heart in a heartbeat. Well, and and that's the that's the key. It goes from the top down, and it's and it's really showing that leadership and examples all the way straight down. So, I mean, you brought up a perfect point: is that we can have that vision, my wife and I can have that vision, but if it's not passed down to others that are supervisors or managers or general managers, then you just lost the chain right there. The chain is broken right there. So, you want to make sure that you have. Those who had that same vision with you, that's working with you, that had that same mentality of how to treat people and and how to get the best results out of anybody. Well, Mark, I know we could just talk, I think, forever (laughs) about ice cream. Um, And why don't as as we kind of wrap up, if if people are listening to this and they're thinking, you know, that's a this is a brand that they want to get behind. This is a company that they would like to learn more about. You mentioned. Franchising, is that actually going to be happening? Is this an opportunity for people if they wanted to become a, a franchisee? Yeah, so we actually rolled out a franchise program through COVID. Uh, we, was, we started getting a lot of demand or a lot of uh, people inquiring about opening up, especially now when there are those who either have decided to change careers or go their own route. And what we've noticed is that a lot of people who might not have even been in the food or beverage industry in the past, but want to try something different or wanted that same thing that my wife wanted was, let's just open up an ice cream shop. I worked at one when I was a kid and I loved it. So we started getting a lot of demand for it. So we uh, we, we looked into it, 
um, we created, you know, a, a franchise program and uh, we have it on different levels so that we make it as easy as possible for someone who is interested in, in joining our team and, and joining uh, the growth of our business and providing a safe product for all to enjoy. So we built out these platforms where it's a scoop shop. Um, so it's basically, you know, just the scoop, not the clothing and everything else like in our flagship store. Um, so that's one of the opportunities for a franchise. And then we also have the franchise opportunity as a, you know, as the whole gamut with the, with the boutique, the parties, events, so on and so forth. Um, and then we also have a franchise opportunity with food trucks as well. So we opened up those gates. Um, we started to see we have about 30 plus FDDs out as far as, op, you know, opportunities out there, people who are interested. And, um, yeah, we just rolled out this program. If anybody is interested, please reach out. Uh, we, would, we would love to discuss and show in more detail. And one of the things that we're clear about, what we want to do is make sure that, you know, Sandy and I are hands-on with all of this. And what, what we would like to do is have them come to our store, experience how we run our store and then also help with the process, especially for those who have never been in the business before. We tried to make it as easy as possible to literally come in without even having that experience in the food and beverage world or in the hospitality world and feel comfortable knowing that all the tools are there and provided to you. So it's sort of like a central purchasing. So everything is gone, you know, run through our our program, everything is run through our, our factory and our warehouse. So anything that you're purchasing, you can feel comfortable knowing is coming directly out of our warehouse so you don't have to worry about any of that cross-contamination and then the other key thing is the training of it that sandy and i go out we'll train um and and show people not only from the scooping but the education as well it defeats the purpose if somebody comes into your store and you don't know the answers to the questions that they have so we have handbooks we have uh uh bullet points and cheat sheets and clip notes and all these different things to be able to help with being able to open up something, um, whether you have been in the hospitality industry or not. So grateful that you could spend some time with us and, and come out of your, your busy corporate and um, scoop shop life <laughs> to, to talk to us here on, on the podcast today. Well, thank you, Tony. I really appreciate your time. It's been amazing speaking with you and uh, I look forward to future conversations with you and and also again my hats my, hat, my hats off to you as well tony you're, you're doing absolutely amazing you you got me hooked on your podcast and you know <laughs> i've been listening to these, these these podcasts that you've been doing and it's been absolutely amazing and well, thank uh, you for the shout out appreciate that very much of course no no of course well uh yeah please again i appreciate everything and and i look forward to continuing our conversations yeah we'll do a follow-up and see how this franchise program is going thanks so much Awesome. Thank you, Tony. All right. Take care now, buddy.